Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. Uh, so this morning we are um, we're, we're diving into something I have a passion for, absolute passion for. Um, it's something that um, in uh, in June of this year I uh, went with uh, Cornerstone uh, with the, our youth group and their youth group went to to uh, Mexico, and uh, there I just got this incredible passion for unity. Um, but just to kind of tell you guys a little bit about the unity in Mexico, um, just this is cool. I, I had a I had a little movie clip uh, queued up, but I guess it, it couldn't run through uh, my format, and their format didn't you know work out because I'm a PC guy, and you know, it was a Mac church, so I'm the odd one out. Sorry, I'm the black sheep. Uh, so I'll, I'll illustrate. So we're working on a wall, we're working on a church, uh, and uh, I'm up on, on one of the corners, okay? And what we're doing is uh, the wall is already made, and so what we got to do is we got to pour this strip of concrete down before we lay down the roof. Uh, that way, you know, it's a level surface because you don't want the roof all cattywampus, right? So we're laying down this uh, about a foot, you know, tall thing of concrete. We got the forms all set up. So I'm on uh, the, the third corner. And we got a catwalk that's about six feet high that's made up of uh, concrete cinder blocks and then, you know, long two-by-sixes or something like that. Uh, I'm not savvy with all those numbers. Anyway, they're long boards, right? And so I'm walking on this thing. So uh, we're about to start pouring the final wall. And so I, I'm still finishing up, you know, the corner, and we're on time, you know, and so we got to hurry up, and the corners take forever. And so, uh, and so they start moving the, the, the catwalk over there, and pretty soon I only have one concrete pillar in the middle of my board. And the problem is I have to go all the way to the end. So I'm on top of a, a catwalk that looks like this. I got to go here. And if you, and you guys know anything about gravity, that's not a good idea, did it anyway. So I start walking out there. I'm like, mm, this is really bad idea. You know, not only am I shaking this way, but I'm going to lean this way. So I start slowly. I'm, I'm trying. I got about a 60-pound 60, 60 bucket of concrete. I'm trying to pour into the corner here, and I'm shaking, and it's twisting, and I'm freaking out. And, and finally, it just snaps, and it goes up towards the wall, and it's like this. It goes boom. The board goes sideways to the wall, and I'm standing over a place. That the concrete pillar is about here, and the wall is about here, and I'm standing over the ground, about six feet off the ground, over this wall, which I'm leaning over, is about a 20-foot drop onto a hill. And so I'm like this, and I'm like, are you the may help? Someone, please help, please help. And, and everyone is up, everyone's up, uh, you know, uh, cutting some, you know, some wires, everyone's cutting rebar and stuff. And so I'm the only one actually, you know, on the floor at this point. And I think Alexia might have been stacking some blocks over in the side of the church. And then I see Pastor Raimundo, he goes, ah, hermano, and he comes over with this board and he just shoves it up underneath and he's like, stop you in, and walks away. And I'm, you know, standing here and I'm like, I'm shaking and I'm like, I don't know how this is going to work. And so somehow I managed to do that. It took like 20 minutes. It should have taken like three, but it's okay. That's, that's just what happens. You just got to be flexible. Uh, we call it flexico. You got to be flexible. Um, and so, so after coming back from that, just all the cool experiences that we had down there and me almost dying, it really got me, you know, when you come close to death, you realize a lot of cool things. And I realized that unity is really cool. Family is really cool. And so I was reading through First uh, Corinthians. I think um, it was right after I got back from India and I was going through some stuff I wanted to talk about with the youth. And I was looking through First Corinthians and I read through the book and I was just like, wow, 12 through 14, Wow. You know, I mean, I've heard the love chapter, you know, a million times at weddings or, or yeah, I've been to a million weddings. You know, like, I, I've heard that, you know, so many times. But 12 and 14, I had rarely ever heard, ever, 
It's like, this is gold. This is incredible. This, this is just, why, why haven't I heard, why aren't we talking about this like every Sunday? This is gold. And so I just started getting this, this kind of like, you know, fire, if you will. I started getting this passion about, you know, unity, as we're going to read in about in a second. But uh, me and Ken, uh, the, uh, the youth pastor over at Cornerstone, we, you know, we've been working together, collaborating on some things. And, and we were talking one day, and I was like, you know, Ken, I really want, you know, the churches to get unified. I really want the churches in town to just be on the same page you know, for too long, I've been in this town for 20 years, and I can't remember a day, you know, except for, you know, uh, Easter sunrise service when we're all just together. You know, one day out of 365, it's kind of sad, in my opinion, you know, but, you know, I'm, I'm a biased 20-year-old, so don't take my word for it. Let's take God's word for it. And so we, you know, we were talking like, okay, how can we get, you know, the churches together, you know, and so it kind of got on that, you know, it got in my prayer life, and so I started praying, God, I want, it, I want you to unify the churches, and one day I was praying, and he spoke to me, and he said, don't pray to unify the churches, pray to unify the church, right? Even more oneness. So, so God is just telling me oneness, oneness, oneness. And so, um, so we're going to go through uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, if you have your Bibles or your iPads or your iBibles, I don't know. See, it's, it's funny because Jeff, you know, he, he's the technological advance. He's got the new I, you know, something. I got the NIV 84. I'm, I'm the youth pastor, the hip youth pastor, and, and I got, you know, a, a Bible that's, you know, it used to be white and it's like, you know, brown now. It's been through, I don't know, it's, it's crazy. I think it's just funny. Um, so 1 Corinthians uh, 12 uh, says this, after I take a drink of water. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all of its parts are many, redundancy, um, I like that repetition, repetition, as we were talking about. Uh, they form one body, and so it is with Christ. For, um, uh, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but many. And so he's, I, 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 love, I love Paul. You know, he, he just always just awesome, awesome, awesome analogies, you know, um, you know, the armor of God, you know, and, and he, you know, he really he gets that visual because that's what Jesus did. Jesus used parables, you know, to illustrate what he was, you know, talking about. And not only that, but, you know, for, for people who would understand, it, they would understand on a greater level. And so visualization, you know, for me, I, I, I need visualization. I can't read a wall of text, you know, out of a textbook and just be like, well, I get that now, of course. You know, I, I need, you know, hands-on. I need, I need to touch it. I need to feel it. I need to smell it, taste it, see it, playing in action. And so I love this visualization, right? The body. We got, we got a, a human body. We got toes, toenails, you know, fingernails, nose hair, you know, kneecaps, you know, head, eyes, all that good stuff, right? And, um, and basically, this is, this is what he's talking about, is that, we, that the body of Christ, the church, the universal church, the, our family in Christ is made up of many parts, right? And if every part had the same function, it wouldn't work. It, 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 it wouldn't work the way that God wants it to. So reading on verse 15, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So right there, we, we have this just kind of statement that basically says that 
the church, the universal church, right? The church around the world, we are where we are because God has designed us that way, right? And so we got churches, you know, that are old school organs, you know, the, right? I, I can get down to that. That's cool. I like that. You know, I, I love going, you know, I went up to uh, my, um, my, my grandfather lives up in Oregon, you know, and he goes to a Baptist church out there, you know, and they have, you know, the old school, you know, organs, you know, and and hymns and stuff, and it's like, that's great, you know, I, I love that, that's great, and then, you know, we have churches, you know, that, that have, a, we, we were at, you know, Catalyst one day, you know, out in, uh, is it Bayside, Bayside, right, and, you know, they have just, just rocking, just amazing sound system, you know, as soon as they hit that first bass note, me and Rob looked at each other, we're like, oh, yeah, right, and so we got all sorts of worship, we got all sorts of speakers, we got all sorts of, you know, colors, age, you know, uh, backgrounds all over the place, people with different gifts, people with different ideas, people with different philosophies, theologies, you know, just different passions, right? And, and, be, and because of what it says in Scripture, like, that's okay. That's great. That's good. That's not a bad thing. You know, diversity is an incredibly good thing. If you look at, you know, all throughout Scripture, diversity is an incredibly great thing. Although early on, Paul didn't want to reach the Gentiles, that's, God said that that was his sole design, his sole purpose, his sole like, part of who he was, was. He was to be the tool, the great tool to reach the Gentiles, and hereby we have all these incredible letters by Paul. Right? And so individually, that, that first, that first uh, point is uh, God designed us individually with different gifts and different purposes for a reason. And so not only individually, you and I and you and you, that you and I, you and I and you and you, we, we all individually have different gifts, different purposes, different life goals, different things to aspire to, different dreams, you know, and I, I love this, this wristband that Jeff gave me, I have no idea where he got it, dream big, pray hard, think long, you know, like we, I was, I don't know why I said that, that's cool, um, but you know, we, we have different aspirations, you know, and different things that, you know, give us passion, you know, and different spiritual gifts. And if you read through, uh, you know, 12 and, and 14, 1 Corinthians, those, those chapters, you know, it, it goes on to explain that not only, you know, are the, the different gifts given to different people because that's what God wants, that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, you are supposed to be, you know, have this incredible gift of whatever. You are supposed to have this incredible gift of whatever, you know, and it outlines, you know, different, you know, spiritual gifts, you know, teaching, you know, prophecy, tongues, you know, all these other awesome things, you know, and it goes, you know, it says not to shun those gifts, you know, but to embrace, to seek them. You know, we, we are to seek those gifts, seek those purposes that God has for us. Reading on down in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And this is where uh, kind of gets to the meat now. So it takes a while to chew, takes a while to digest. Is that, uh, I don't know about you guys, but um, in my short amount of years on this planet, I've, I've had many experiences with different churches, right? Where I walked away from that church, my feelings hurt, walked away from that church saying, wow, where's God in that church? I walked away from, you know, churches being like, wow, that was corrupt. Wow, that hurt my family. You know, wow, this, that, this, that, this, that. And at that time, I was bitter, not only towards, you know, the name of the church, you know, or churches. I was bitter towards the people in that, even worse, right? So I was, I was bitter towards people. And if at that time, you know, in my life, if I could, I wish I would just, you know, take the, you know, control X, you know, and control V it in the recycle bin, you know, and just basically just get rid of that church. You know, this church is not doing any good, right? 
That's the worst, most selfish thing you could think of, and I've thought of it and have felt that and still have the scars of that. And that is something that we have to get, is that if we have walked away from a church where we feel that they don't even need to be there, that they, you know, like these people over here, they, they, they need to get it together. They just need to get it together, right? Well, if they're doing something that is, that is against the word of God, we have a responsibility to call them out on that, to, to, to in love, and we'll get to that in a second, in love, to, to come alongside them and, and say, hey, you know what, this is what's going on. No, but if you walk away from a place with your feelings hurt and, and the, the response to that is that, that you're bitter towards, that, to, towards those people, guess what? That needs to change. That needs to change big time. It took a big change in my life to, to not harbor bitterness towards, you know, certain churches, not just churches, but people. And this year has been an incredibly, incredibly just changing year in my life of, of God showing me, hey, you need to change this, you need to change this, you need to change this. And there's a lot of things I still need to change about myself, and I'll be that way till the day I die. Or God just takes me home in a pillar of fire, which I really don't think that's going to happen. But, um, hey, you never know. <laughs> but, um, but this thing is that if we... We're at a spot where we say, okay, this church, you know, you get the check mark. This church, you know, you get the whatever. I don't know. I'm not a teacher. Bad, bad apple. I don't know. You know, when we see churches in that light, guess what? We're disgracing our own family because we are body. We are family. Just like you guys are my family, churches that we harbor bitterness towards are our family. They're our family. If you had a brother that was struggling with something, would you just shut him out of your life? I mean, could you at the very least just pray? Could you at the very least just ask, how could I help? Could you at the very least say, what can I do, right? But when churches, you know, in town or churches out of town or churches across state, you know, and, and there's scandals all the time in the news and, you know, and there's corruption all over the place, we're so easy to just say, oh my gosh, look at what they're doing. This is ridiculous, right? It's so easy just to distance yourself from your own stinking family. It's crazy, right? We want so badly to just get rid of and, and not, you know, I, um, not identify ourselves with certain churches, you know, say, oh, I'm non-denom, you know, or, or I'm a Baptist, you know, or I'm a this, or I'm a that, you know, and, and, and we, we can get so programmed or say, oh yeah, I've been to that church, don't go to that church. Just don't, don't even do it, right? We're so easy to identify ourselves with teams that gets us out of the program, gets us out of the business, gets it out of you know, the area of our life of accepting our family. Of course we have a dysfunctional family. Of course we have a family that can't get along. I have a personal family that can't get along. You know, that's fine. That's great. Because you know what? It gets us to a point of really finding humility. It gets us to a point of, hey, when we realize how much we suck, we really realize how much we need Jesus. And my friends that, you know, that hear me, that know me the best, know I really need Jesus. You know? <laughs> Thanks, Phil. <laughs> Phil says amen. Um, but this is the thing. Uh, the, the point to that is... Uh, the second point is that we depend uh, on each other to fulfill God's purpose uh, for the church, uh, so eliminate your pride. Why do I say eliminate your pride? I can tell you what, I have a huge pride problem. Some of you might not realize that. Yes, I do. I think that the majority of us in here probably do, and if you don't think you have a pride problem, you probably have a really big pride problem, like I do. Um, and this is the thing, is that I was praying about this, and this is something that really God kind of had to me, is that, you know, eliminate your pride. Okay, that's great right? If we eliminate our pride, you know, we can pray that and stuff. But the absence of pride is not the presence of humility. They are two separate entities. One does not fill the other. You have to take, you have to take rid of and then fill. The absence of pride does not 
immediately replace that with humility. Because what happens when you just say, oh, you know, you eliminate your pride. Okay, wow, look at me. I'm not so prideful anymore. Wow. See what happened there? You got prideful. That's a problem, right? We have to literally humble ourselves. And this is something that I, you know, it, it was great. You know, uh, it was this, the, the song we were singing this morning. You know, I know the God that stands, you know, before me and stands behind me is, is uh, something that I've thought about a lot is, you know, God, keep the scars in front of me and the wounds behind me. You know, keep the things that you've healed from me that remind me of what you've done for me in front of me to humble me and put the wounds behind me so it doesn't fester in my life anymore because Put the past behind you. Move on. That's something that has been kind of my central theme in my life. And I'm doing a really terrible job of it a lot of times in my life. And I really need Jesus, which is why I'm here talking about it, because I really need Jesus. Okay, uh, so uh, we depend on each other. So we can't dismiss other churches. We can't dismiss our family because they're our stinking family. Verse 24. Uh, actually, verse 25. Uh, no. Yes, 24. Uh, but God has uh, combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked so that there should be no division in the body. No division. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. If you have cancer, your whole body has cancer, Right? If there's a church, you know, that, that is teaching false doctrine, guess what? we got a huge problem. Guess what? We do. You know, and if, if there's, you know, a church out there that's swindling money, guess what? we got a problem because there's churches that do. But we can't dismiss them. We can't just say, oh, well, you know, these people over here. No, they're our brothers in Christ. They're our family. We need to embrace them. Because guess what? Just because someone else out there does something really bad doesn't mean that we didn't either. doesn't mean that I didn't either. Because when you see other people struggling, don't say, oh, these people over here Humble yourself, remind yourself, I do the same thing because the Bible says that once you've offended one part of the law, you've offended it all, right? Use that as, an exper- uh, use that as, as a, a time to humble yourself, to put your scars in front of you, put your wounds behind you, and remove that pride out of you because that's the enemy trying to put pride in you. Say, look at these people. We don't do that. I don't do that. Guess what? We have a responsibility to come alongside those people out of love. And again, we'll get that to in a second. But we cannot dismiss people because they're our family. They're our family. We depend on them. And a, a third point is that a divided family suffers alone. We each play a part. Verse 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Not just the church itself, not just Living Hope Church, not just Cornerstone Baptist, not just Calvary, not just you know, United you know, Methodist, not just you know, DCC, not the Catholic Church. Individuals, people in it. If you're a believer in here in this room, guess what? You play a role. You play a role in, in what God has called you to do. And you have those passions, you have those gifts, you have those abilities because God is preparing you or has already prepared you for what you're doing or will do, you know, whatever God is calling you to do. And in the meantime, if you feel like, you know, you're kind of like, oh, I'm just waiting for the blind, you know, blinding lights to blind me on the road to Damascus, you know, and be blinded for three days and then, you know, just be in, you know, travel the world, you know, Jesus said, no one takes my life, I lay it down on my own accord. What it says on this cross is that we have to take up our cross daily. We have to take up our cross and walk with Christ. If we're at a spot right now where you don't know what God has called you to do, there's this great thing called praying, there's this great thing called, you know, reading, where we get to actually talk with God and communicate with God. 
you know, we don't need to go to some holy person and say, hey, I really don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life because guess what? That holy person is just like you. Really need Jesus. We all really need Jesus. And this is the thing, is that when we align ourselves with God's desires, his desires become our desires the more that we do that. And so if you're at a spot where you're just kind of waiting for God to just submit you and just kick you into place of submission, start taking up your cross. Start doing. Because where you are, wherever you're living, you don't need to go to some foreign mission field to be a missionary. We, we all should be missionaries. The mission, the great commission, which we're going to get to in a sec. I lo- I'm just the plug-in for the rest of it. I love it. Um, so uh, the third point is a divided family, uh, a divided family suffers alone, and we each play a part. So reading on, so I basically kind of illustrated this need to be a family, okay? So we, we have this illustration of family. It's not just in Dixon. It's not just in this church. It's not just in your blood family, but it's worldwide. It's in India, Nicaragua, Papua New Guinea, Africa, even Antarctica, maybe. I don't know. I don't know anyone in Antarctica, but there's good possibility. It's good possibility in Antarctica. Um, but how do we do that, okay? This is my, maybe my three favorite verses in the Bible other than Romans 8.28. I think it's my favorite passage right here. Uh, we've heard this... Um, chapter a lot, the, the love chapter in, in 1 Corinthians 13. And uh, I just got to say this because I, I had, have, I had a lot of conversations with a lot of people about this, this chapter is that we hear a lot at weddings, right? Nothing wrong with that because love is a universal truth. But I think it's just funny. It's just, just funny to me, it's humorous, that everything about this chapter, every single thing, is in the context of the body of Christ, spiritual gifts. Chapter 12 is spiritual gifts and one body, many parts. Then there's love. Then there's uh, 14 is gifts of prophecy and then orderly worship. Okay? Those are your, that's, that's your meat to the, or that's your bread to the meat, okay? Is body of Christ and, uni- and, um, and spiritual gifts, body of Christ, spiritual gifts. I just throw it out there because I love it. Um, but here we go. All right, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3 says this. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Let me paraphrase that. This is how I read it in my head. You know how you have a voice in your head? You know, that kind of reads things. And you, oh, you know, have you ever had like something where you read something and you know it's like a, a voice from a cartoon that person's voice plays and you're like, oh, wow, that's cool, right? This is what, this is what that voice says in my head. Um, sounds a little bit like this. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, you know, we talk about, you know, tongues is like it's this controversial dealia, right? Tongues, you know, it's just an incredible thing. It's like, oh, is it, you know, old? Is it gone? Is it new? Whatever, you know, there's charismatic people, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter because... This is what it is. They speak in tongues of men and of angels and have not love. It's worthless, stinking garbage, not worthy for the manure pile, as Jesus would say. In verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and can talk on behalf of God so that when I talk, the very words of God come out as a prophet, speaking God's 
words out of my mouth verbally, and I, have, and, uh, and, I, and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. I can be like Daniel, fasting and praying, get interpretation of dreams, and I can fathom the mysteries of the universe. And I was watching this awesome debate between, these, uh, between uh, Dawkins and uh, Linux, you know, these two uh, o- Oxford professors, you know, and, and they're, you know, lovingly arguing over, you know, has, has uh, science buried God, right? And, they're, and they're, they're trying to fathom the great mysteries of the universe. Well, if you can do that, and have a faith that can move mountains, a faith that can move the earth from where it stands, and have not love, it's worth the stinking garbage, not worth the crap pile. Verse 3, if I give all my possessions to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, if you give away your car, your house, your money, everything you've ever aspired to accomplish in this life, and you live in absolute destitute poverty for the rest of your life, but you did it not out of love, it was worthless. It was worthless. It was stinking garbage, not worth the crap pile. That's what it is. Because love is the thing that encapsulates the fiber of our being to seek Christ, to do for others. You know, I see a lot of, you know, celebrities these days, and not to bag on celebrities, although if you get me in a personal room, you see I do a lot, so forgive me. But, you know, I see a lot of people, you know, giving away, you know, like $10 million to this charity, and they go, oh my God, you know, they write in the magazines, oh, look at this person, da 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 right? And then, and then the pride thing kicks in, and it's like, oh, well, yeah, $10 million to this charity, you know, and, you know, you know this church, and they gave away you know, $5,000, that's great, you know. If, sorry, I won't go into that. But uh, there, just keep that. You, you, can, you can saw that one out in your head. I'm not going to go there. Um, but this is the thing. Uh, the final point is that without love, we are nothing and our family divides. Our family will divide if what we're doing is not out of love, if it's out of malicious intent, if it's out of, you know, oh, we need these many seats, you know, filled. Or we need, you know, these people working in and out of the church, or we need this person working in our church, right? Our love should be so filled that it is overflowing into people, not just in the streets, not just, you know, our friends, not just our own family, but our family of Christ that is in this town, that is in this state, that is in this United States, that is in the world. Our love should be flowing out into those places, Because love is the one thing that will not let you down because God is love. It is the one thing in your life that will not let you down. I've had a lot of friends let me down. I've had a lot of friends stab me in the back and it hurts. (laughs) Hurts really? Oh, sorry, Sam. (laughs) There's a story behind that. (laughs) We won't go into that. (laughs) Maybe Sam can attest to how bad it hurts. (laughs) It hurts really bad. And it's expensive. It hurts really bad when, when friends stab you in the back, physically and emotionally. It really hurts. And I've had family stab me in the back, and it really hurts. I've had a lot of people let me down in my life. I've had a lot of institutions let me down in my life. I've had a lot of things. I've had a lot of technology let me down. I've had a lot of brakes and tires let me down on the way to San Francisco. I've had, I've had a lot of things break me down. I've had a lot of things let me down, right? But this is the one thing I know, is that love will not let you down. Even if something is done out of the word of love, love itself will not let you down because God is love. That's the one thing. So if we are to be seeking love, Phil's going to love this. Uh, Phil and I, we love to talk about this. Uh, what, um, it impacts pretty much the theme is how to do life, right? Okay, what's the point of doing life? Okay, And if you were to wake up in the morning and you were to say, okay, what am I supposed to be about today? Talking about love. 
Jesus said, what is the first, most, greatest commandment? People asking him, Jesus, this great teacher, what's the greatest commandment? What, if you did say all these and you rank them up, you know, and you like, kind of like how I've, I've seen people, you know, rank the cuss words as like the best, you know, or like the worst from the, like not as bad, right? So like, if you were to rank up all the commandments and say, okay, which one is the top one? Jesus says this, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind, with all of your strength. That's Mark uh, 1230. And the second one, second greatest commandment, is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Talking about those two. So right now, i kind of got two parallels going on right now. i got, you know, the church, and we got your life as an individual. And they should, they should go like this, because uh, the word ecclesia is a great word. If you, if you don't know it, now you know it. Ecclesia is Greek for, uh, for a gathering of people for common purpose, right? So a group of people going out to watch the horse track game is an ecclesia. A people going down to watch the movie is an ecclesia. A, uh, a group of people, you know, cooking cookies in their oven, you know, going together, I was like, hey, let's go make some cookies, ecclesia. People meeting in this room right now, guess what? You're an ecclesia, congratulations, now you know another word. And uh, so this is the word. This is the word that's describing church in the Bible. When you see the word church, replace that with two words. One family, two ecclesia. Family is one we might understand a little bit more, but just remember the word ecclesia is basically a gathering of people with a common purpose. And what's the common purpose of this church right here? To shout it out. I like all those answers. Those are great. Love God, love your neighbor. Uh, Acts 2, you know, uh, giving needs to worship God. I love it. And, and, and um, finally, uh, number three. Um, this, this, is, this is just basically, okay, so what are we supposed to be doing, right? This is the last thing that Jesus said before he ascended into heaven. This is the very last thing, and that feels dignous. Um, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, love this, I am with you always to the very end of the age, Matthew 28, 18-20. So here we are. Last sermon, sermon, of uh, 2012. And uh, 13 is just, what, 24 hours away, or 36 hours away, something like that. And um, I know a lot of us, you know, are ready for a fresh start. Uh, kind of want to bury 2012 and put it into a little capsule, kind of throw out of way. Some of us, 12 was just an amazing year. It's awesome. Don't go bragging about it. <laughs> I had a great 12. I had, a, I had an amazing 2012. God really worked in my life and really reminded me of how much I need him uh, through a lot of different things, things that I did to myself that at the time I thought the world was, you know, against me, and then I realized, oh, I'm doing this. Whoops. Uh, and then just God just blessed me with the opportunity to, you know, to go to a few different countries and, and see what God's doing worldwide and see what God's doing here in this town and seeing impact triple in one year and, you know, just seeing people get healed, people come to Christ and, wow, praise God. But 2013, I really think, is going to be a year where this church plays a huge role in unifying the church in this town. And if it's just, you know, if it's just a vision that, you know, God has given me, that's, that's cool. But I've been talking with a lot of different people in this town and, uh, whether you're part of it or not, even though I believe that you should be, something's about to happen. And uh, I believe I have the freedom to say that. 
something's about to really happen. And I've talked to people at Cornerstone. I've talked to people at Calvary. I've talked to people that don't go to a church. I've talked to all sorts of people. And the thing that I keep saying is, I really feel that something's about to happen. And they just go, oh my gosh, you would not believe. Right? And they go on this long story about, you know, how just this, this awesome, you know, God's speaking to them, you know, through scripture, speaking to them, you know, through prayer about something that's coming. You know, some, you know, just, the, and, and unity is always a part of that. You know, and I got, I got the, the opportunity to, to uh, talk to Cornerstone about, you know, Nicaragua. And I, and I said that, and... People just stood up and cheered. I was like, wow, I wish I could. I'm going to start saying this everywhere. People stand up and cheer. This is great. You know, I, I just said, I believe something big is coming. And boom, people just stood up and cheered. I was like, wow, that's awesome. This is great. <laughs> you know, and I really feel like something big is about to happen. And it's going to take our family being on the same page, being on the same page in the youth, in the kids, the adults, the elders, the pastors, the lay pastors, the people, the little kids, everyone. We've got to be on the same page because our family is a family. I don't need to describe what family is because family's family, right? We're family. How many times can I say family in a sentence? I don't know. That was great. Is that seven? Seven's a great number. Let's say seven. Family is what we are. Family is family. <laughs> That's what we are. And if we're not about being that, if we're not about doing that for Christ, then we're going down the wrong path. If we're about how many people we can get in the seats, guess what? It's ridiculous. I'm all about seeing as many people saved. I'm all about seeing as many people come to Christ. I'm all about seeing as many people's needs being met. I'm all about seeing us in the streets. I'm all about seeing this place being packed out. And I, really, I really do. I would love to see this place get packed out. But if we're about, and I really don't think we are, is why I love Living Hope, is I really don't think that we're trying to get, you know, uh, butts and bucks, you know, as, as uh, I've talked to a couple of different people or, you know, uh, basically how the amount of people you have, you know, in your you know, in your church translates to X amount of millions, ridiculous, you know, or, or the phrase sheep stealer that I've heard. I really, I really don't think that, you know, we're like that. And, and I think that we're really blessed to have, you know, a congregation where we're just really level-headed. And as Jeff was talking about a week or two ago about how just genuine, uh, genuosity, you know, uh, genuineness, I guess you could say that word. You know, we're not afraid to say, hey, I suck, dude. Like, I do. I really do. And I, and I need help with this, you know. And, and, I, and, and, and that's the great thing about family. So how can we, in this year, get that genuine, awesome family out into the different, you know, parts of this town, out into different churches, you know? That's, I mean, that's not rhetorical. I'm asking you guys, help, help you know, like think, be, be thinking about this, you know, as, as this year is getting ushered in, you know, and there's, you know, a lot of uncertainty, you know, with the economy, you know, and politics, uh, I've just been hearing hearsay, I haven't watched TV in about two months, except for, you know, couple of snippets here and walking into different rooms and stuff, but like there's a lot of uncertainty and it's really easy to get wrapped up into what's going on in the world, what's going on, you know, with our country, what's going on with this and that. But let's just not forget about what's the most important thing. Let's just not forget about the love of Christ. Let's not forget about, you know, how amazing God is. Let's not forget about how even though like we're just terrible and we need God to tell us over and over and over and over and over and over and over again how we need him. And sometimes we're just like, ah, dude, I'm just I don't know, dude. I'm just, I'm fretting. I, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, are you walking with God? What's going on? Like, do, do you get that? Like, the last couple of weeks, I've been fretting, having, you know, all these, like, anxiety, and, and I'm like, man, am I really putting in my effort? Gee, I don't know. Am I tithing my time with God and realizing, oh, wow, I'm really not. You know, it's kind of the amount of time you go with God, and then all of a sudden, you're like, right? I do that a lot. Keep me accountable. <laughs> God is amazing, amen?
So as we're, uh, as we're ushering in 2013, let's just, let's just remember who our family is. Let's remember who, who our God is. Let's, let's, just remember, let's, just, let's just remember the things about 2012 that, that point towards God and not towards ourselves. Let's pray. Father God, you're so amazing. Lord, you are so good, Lord, that, that you point us out, Lord, how much we need you. You point out to us, God, just how amazing you are, how, how wide our church is, how deep and wide our church is, how, how wide your bride is, God, how wide uh, a family is, God. Just how, how, how large your family is, Lord. It, it stretches from, from one room in a country that no one even knows how to pronounce out into every corner of the world, every country of the world is reached by your name, God, in some way or another. God, your family is so big. And, and God, I pray, Lord, that you would just be putting in our hearts, Lord, the love for that, Lord. The love for our family, Lord. And if there's anyone in this room, God, that, that has bitterness, Lord, towards a church or, or a group of people, God, I pray that you would just surface that up right now, God, and just begin to deal with that. Because, God, you're a God of reconciliation that you've shown in my life, Lord. You want reconciliation. You don't want division. You don't want bitterness to be harbored. God, you want forgiveness. You've shown that, God. You, you, keep, you keep forgiving me when I don't deserve it. So, God, just begin to just surface those, those feelings, God, and just begin to eliminate that. Eliminate those feelings of bitterness, God, that, that this town... Lord, that you would just take this town out by storm. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just move in this town, Lord, that your wind would just move through it, Lord, and just blow on dying embers, blow on the embers that are, that are uh, near uh, being extinguished. Lord, revive those embers, Lord. And those embers that are, that are ever growing, Lord, I pray that you just spread your fire throughout this town, God, that, uh, Lord, you just be, you begin to just uh, and continue downloading just, just dreams and visions and, and passions and gifts onto this town, Lord. Just, just open up just heaven's gates, God, and just pour out your love, pour out your spirit onto this place, God. Pour out your fire onto this town. Lord, that 2013 would just go down as the year of, oh my gosh, when did that happen? And how did that happen? Lord, that you would just, just wreck this place. Wreck this place with your love, God. 2013 would just go down as just that year that God wrecked this place. Lord, you are so capable of doing that. You're so capable. God, I love you. Lord, I just give you all the praise and all the honor, Lord. Because I don't, I don't deserve to stand up here this morning. Thank you, God, for that opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen.